Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddard. Welcome to the Tim Stodds Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest today is Chris Gorgeous. Uh, Chris is a hell of an entrepreneur. He and I really related a lot. We had a great conversation. Uh, he is the CEO and the founder of Thompson and Prince, which is a, a full service digital agency. We talked about the benefits of why creating an agency is a really great place to start before you go all in with raising funding and maybe trying to develop your own product and, and put money into it, why it may be a good idea to start uh, in the client services space, why it's a really great opportunity to hone your skills and, and get your feet wet as an entrepreneur. Uh, aside from his work as a creative, uh, he also serves as a mentor and an advisor in a couple of different startups. But most importantly, the reason why he came on the show and, and one of the really exciting things that he and I talked about is that Chris is the founder of Ever Harbor. Ever Harbor is a, is a project that he's really passionate about. He's been working on it for a long time. Uh, Chris described it as the LinkedIn for creative industries. His story as to why he realized that this service and this networking tool is so important in today's marketplace was was really, really interesting. And I, after talking to him about it, I realized that there's thousands, tens of thousands of uh, students and graduates who uh, are currently in the same exact position that Chris was in when he graduated and he was looking to begin his career. So uh, I, I hope you check out everharbor.com. He and I we we related a lot to it, and I think he's on to something. I think it's a really really great idea, and I'm excited to watch him grow it. Uh, so please pay attention. Chris had some great advice for any young entrepreneurs, and he's a really he's he's an industry leader in this space. So I I suggest you look him up, and I suggest you pay attention. So without further ado, please help me welcome Chris Gorges. Hey, Chris, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, we were introduced through Helen, who is a previous guest on my podcast. I'll leave the interview, uh, the, the link to that interview in the show notes to this. And we were talking a little bit beforehand. You are really a, a jack of all trades kind of entrepreneur. You're an agency founder. Uh, you're a, a tech entrepreneur. Um, I've read that you're involved with uh, mentorship and also advising on some other companies. So my first question, since you obviously have so much experience in this and, and, and uh, you're so involved in, in the ecosystem, how did you get started as an entrepreneur? Where, where did you catch the bug? Have you, have you been involved with creating businesses since, since a young age or was it something that you adapted after college? Just tell me a little bit about your journey. Yeah, um, without, without going too deep into the nitty gritty details, um, it's, it's definitely in my blood. Um, one, of, one of the most funny kind of stories from growing up is my dad was actually featured in the National Enquirer uh, when I was growing up because he left his corporate job and, and started an antiques business in a small town in North Carolina. So oh. I think there's always been a little bit of that crazy, um, uh, risky entrepreneur gene in me. Um, and he kind of always encouraged me to, 
to go my own path and, and figure out ways to, to rely upon myself instead of having to rely on others. So I think my first entrepreneurial venture was he, since he's in the antiques business, um, I kind of had my, my little element of the business, which was I focused on sports cards and comic books. Oh, cool. Um, so, so I'm, I was a huge sports card kid. God knows how much money my dad wasted buying uh, basketball and baseball cards in the nineties. Um, but I kind of had my own little section of the shop and, uh, back when websites were first a thing in the mid nineties, um, I, he, he taught me a little bit of HTML, which I, I no longer know how to do, uh, ironically. Um, but you know, I had a little website called cardsandcomics.com. And when all my friends were working summer jobs out in the heat, I was sitting on a computer a couple hours a day and selling comic books and selling sports cards and making more money than all they were. Um, and so that was kind of my first taste of, of the entrepreneurial bug. Um, always liked the idea of just being able to build something from nothing. Um, and I, I went down a very much a, a traditional path post-college. I went to UNC Chapel Hill and went into management consulting for a few years. Um, and then I went to business school at NYU. And I wrote my essays at, at, for NYU um, about doing creative consulting for startups because I had been working with big government entities and, and learning really cool things and um, experiencing you know, big high impact projects with the government, but I kind of missed that, that creative entrepreneurial element and spirit. So I used my two years at NYU Stern to, to pivot more to back into the kind of tech startup world. Um, so I've been deep in the, the overlap of the tech startup world and the creative agency world since about uh, 2012 and when I graduated in 2013. So it, it was a, a weird kind of convoluted journey that included some more traditional elements along the way. Um, but I used those more kind of typical business experiences to serve as a foundation for jumping back into the startup world. Yeah, fascinating. So uh, a comment and a question there. The first comment is just, I, I really relate to you on that comic books, uh, baseball cards. And for me, it was actually magic cards. I'm one of the, uh, the... I didn't want to sound like too much of a dork. I didn't well, throw yeah. magic cards, but but there were some magic cards involved as well. I loved trading magic cards, and it's so funny. My wife is still makes fun of me because uh, I had back surgery a little while ago, and I wasn't allowed to bend over for a full month, and so I was so bored because um, I couldn't work out or exercise, and I was like, "What did I used to do?" And I went on Facebook Marketplace, and I bought a ton of magic cards from just a bunch of people in Nashville. And so now I got this stack of magic cards that for some reason in my head, I guess I was just sitting around too much coming up with really <laughs> terrible ideas, but like I was taking myself back to being 13 and going to all these comic book stores and, and trading magic cards and selling them and buying them. And I used to make, I mean, you know, when you're a kid, it's not that much money, but it was more yeah. of a rush that I got out of it. And now I'm stuck with this, fucking pile of magic cards in the corner that like i haven't well, even touched i'm gonna give you a shout afterwards I, I think i have some some i can sell to you as well as long as you're in a, in a buying mood yeah i've got I, I guess i've got, a, I've got a really really good black deck oh black is my favorite yeah <laughs> black decks are my favorite <laughs> all right anyway we can't we can't go down this rabbit hole um yeah and so the second question more just something i'm curious about you said you went to nyu stern did you um did you study with Professor Galloway at all? I did. Yeah, I had some amazing professors at Stern. Galloway was my brand strategy professor. I'm a big fan of his. I, uh, 
I've been reading his, well, I've been watching his YouTube channel since before he actually got, you know, really, really mainstream. He, he started yeah. a show called Winners and Losers, which I still think was, was the coolest thing he ever did. Um, I'd be curious to meet him. I, I've, I've been, he's just an insightful guy and I like the way he approaches um, what's going on in, in the tech world. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, he's, he's a really interesting guy. Um, has had a lot of successes, a lot of failures, um, and is very transparent about all that. So it was really cool taking a class from somebody like him who'd kind of seen the, the tops of the mountaintops as far as entrepreneurship goes, and had also seen kind of the lowest of the lows. Um, he wasn't quite as famous when I was in school. For sure. um, he, was, he was starting to kind of get there. Um, he was running L2 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's been on a rocket ship to kind of global fame since that i think he has a new show coming out on vice um so for for us back in 2012 2013 he was just professor galloway um now he's kind of this worldwide icon which is pretty cool to be able to say we we learned from somebody like that yeah absolutely well that's a fascinating journey so let's let's get a little bit more into um into the specifics i also own an agency and I'm a fan of agencies because for new entrepreneurs, it's a great place to get started. Um, it's really, really difficult to create from nothing, you know, like a, a SaaS company or some kind of service tech company or some kind of health tech company, these big flashy, you know, sexy monthly recurring revenue models that, that everybody dreams of. And I think before uh, people dive into that. It's a good idea just to learn how to get involved in the client services. You learn how to deal with people. You learn accounting. Uh, you learn a particular skill and craft. In in my case, it's SEO. We run a, a healthcare SEO company, and uh, yeah. and I I know that it's it's kind of boring for some people, but I always think it's a good thing to talk about because so many people who listen to my show ask me all the time. Like, how do I get started? And my answer to them is always like, learn a skill and find a client and do it for a year, two years until you're good enough that you can scale that skill. Um, so with that as a little bit of a context, tell me about what Thompson and Prince specializes in and, and how you guys provide services to clients. Yeah, so I would, I would want to just say it's never boring. Um, it's different from building a tech startup. Yeah. But, um, so I, I've been running Thompson and Prince as a solo founder since June of 2018. Um, before that, I had the opportunity to co-found another brand strategy and design firm um, with, with a guy who was really established in the industry who kind of let me play entrepreneur with training wheels on and kind of learn more of the brand strategy and design craft. Um, but, but what we do is, is Thompson and Prince, we offer kind of core foundational branding primarily for startups. Um, our ideal client is a, a pre-seed to seed range to, to maybe a series A type startup um, that's looking to build its brand. So we do naming, logo design, visual identity, uh, brand guidelines, positioning, messaging, marketing collateral, a lot of pitch decks, one pagers, and website design development. Um, and you know, to your, to your point, it's, it's really interesting, I think, to be able to pick a thing that you do and go through that process of, of getting people to pay you to do that thing. And it's very different from building a product um, and just putting the product out there and hoping somebody bites um, because in the services business, every single sale is completely unique. Um, and then actually delivering on that 
on that thing that you sold, that service, every single time. It's a completely unique experience. Even if it's a small, you know, one-off logo project or if it's a full rebrand and website build, um, there are always like a, a, a lot of interesting nuances to be learned. Um, and coming from a, my background as a management consultant, um, I love the fact that I can be a generalist and um, a point of pride for me is that I can take on clients in brand new industries and look at the, those industries objectively and, um, and always, always be learning, always learn new industries, new, new products, new markets. Um, and so I think that's what's, what's coolest for me about, about having a small independent agency is just being able to kind of pick and choose what, where, what areas I want to learn in, in a given day or a given week. You sound like you still have uh, your, your passion and your excitement about working with clients. I've, I've seen too often agency founders get burned out. And I personally think that when that happens, that's just a product of not being able to get out of your own way, you know, continuing to work in the agency as opposed to on the agency. Um, but listening to the tone in your voice, you seem like you, you're still excited to meet new clients, learn about new businesses, learn about new uh, projects that you get to, to be a part of. I mean, I understand the frustrations and it goes both ways. Sure. Um, but this kind of, th there's always the really cool part of it, which, which I mentioned, which is always learning something new. Um, that's always interesting. And yeah, that goes hand in hand with the frustrations of, of building for someone else. Um, and as I mentioned to you right before the call, um, I have my outlet for that. I'm, I'm building a tech startup as well in parallel with my agency. Um, and so at some point, if I do hit that, that, that feeling that this doesn't excite me anymore, this doesn't get me going uh, on a daily basis, then you know, maybe I will be able to shift into more of that recurring revenue tech startup um, type, type mindset. But, but for now, I think you know, picking the right clients, working with really interesting founders is, is enough to keep me going. Well, that's, that's a perfect transition. I'm, I'm also at that, that place in my life where we've been in business for 10 years and we have a, a great team. And over that, we've also kind of on the side built some other media outlets and, and online assets, but I've never, I've never felt comfortable building that tech startup, that monthly recurring product model. Um, so I'm always really excited to have these conversations because the ideas and, and the problems that people are trying to solve with these companies, especially, uh, I'm not going to go too far down a rabbit hole, but I, I like the New York City tech startup bubble a lot more than the West Coast bubble. Like West Coast is just so gunslinger. Um, not a lot of there's it's it's not as grounded i guess we can say and i find the the new york city startup model it's it's a much more grounded ecosystem uh the companies that come out of there just seem to me to be a lot more practical so please uh feel free to use this as an opportunity to kind of pitch your project like i want to hear what you're building i want to hear the problem that you're trying to solve well one i i kind of agree with you on the new york versus sf thing i i don't have the benefit of ever having lived in sf or the valley um but i think there's interest something interesting about the new york startup market where it still feels significantly smaller than the yeah. valley 
Um, it's grittier. It's it's a little bit more friendly yeah, um, from what I've experienced. Right. Yeah, it's grittier. Um, because at the end of the day, the investment money that's going into New York is still, I, I haven't looked at the numbers lately, but you know, it's probably 10% or less what's being what's being invested as far as venture capital and angel investment goes in the Valley. Um, so I think you just have people scrapping uh, for kind of smaller, smaller chunks, mm-hmm. um, which, which leads to less, less big out there world changing moonshot ideas um, and more things that are grounded in real business. Um, and that's, you know, you could probably go into a lot of different nuances for why that is, but it's based in New York being the financial capital of the world. Um, a lot of FinTech, um, just kind of the retail capital of the world. So a lot of retail technology companies. Um, and so I think you see some really interesting stuff coming out of New York. Um, as far as my, my startup that I'm building, um, I'm actually relaunching it probably in about two months. Uh, as an open beta. Um, so I'm building a company called Ever Harbor. And uh, it's easiest to think of it as kind of like a LinkedIn for the creative industry. Um, and it'll be interesting, you know, on that New York note, if I end up building it in New York, or due to the, the current COVID situation, I've actually temporarily relocated back back home to North Carolina. Um, so will I go, will, will I be going even smaller and even grittier? Um, or will there be some kind of hybrid approach? Um, obviously, New York is a hub for creative agencies, and Ever Harbor's intent is to kind of serve as um, a three-sided marketplace for talent, creative agencies uh, like yours and like mine, uh, and recruiting agencies. Um, and coming out of business school, transitioning from management consulting into the creative agency world, I saw a massive gap in tools and platforms for navigating the creative agency space. Um, I was somebody coming in totally blind. I couldn't tell you then what the difference was between Frog and Wyden and Kennedy. And if you went to both of those websites, those two world-class companies, they probably say something pretty similar, something about innovation, something about working with the world's best brands. Um, But if you dig in, they do very, very different things. So I've I've been working on this tool in the in the in the sidelines in the background um, for years in many different iterations. It's gone from a spreadsheet to a Wix page that I hand coded. Um, I made it look like it was filtering, but it wasn't really filtering. It was just me hard coding every single results page um, to a PHP custom site to to the new version that's going to be launching in a couple of months. Um, and I think there's a lot of space out there in the world for creating better more human connections between people and really interesting creative companies. So as, as you know, um, specifically the agency world is a super fragmented and you have single man shops like mine that I have a, I have a network of 10 or so designers and developers at any given time. Um, but nobody's ever really going to find out about Thompson and Prince unless they know me. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're not doing really cool, interesting work and that talent shouldn't be aware of us. And so I'm, I'm working on building a platform that hopefully will allow talent to discover agencies that meet their granular needs. If they're looking for a company in Minneapolis that's less than 10 people that does logo design for healthcare, they should be able to find the set of six companies that do that really easily and simply. Um, so hopefully what I build will kind of be, a, be, be something that will more kind of granularly service that, that market that LinkedIn is awesome, but it's too generic to to cover those specific needs for the agency world. Well, that was going to be 
I think that's a great idea, actually. Um, I think. Good. I appreciate that. Yeah. As an I, agency owner, I, I need to hear that from agency owners. Well, it's, <laughs> and I, I'd, I'd like to see it, obviously, because I'm, I'm painting the picture in my mind. But my assumption is that it's also going to have a little bit of like a lead gen model for the agency. It, it will to some extent. I think it will just have that by default. I think mm-hmm. you'll have people who use it for that purpose. Um, I'm not explicitly building in that functionality. For example, I'm, I'm not going to have a brand user type. I'm not going to say, hey, Pepsi, lead, you know, CMO of Pepsi, set up a Pepsi profile. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that's necessary. I'm building the tool very much focused on the talent angle. Got it. But using those granular discovery metrics, you will have brands finding agencies and saying, hey, we found you on Ever Harbor. We saw that you do this thing. We're looking for an agency that does this thing. Um, there's a lot of, th- there are a lot of competitors in that more B2B mm-hmm. projects connecting mm-hmm. with agency space. Um, and so I, I decided to focus on talent because that's the area where I had the personal experience and the passion. Um, I had a really difficult time breaking into the creative agency world post business school because of the tools weren't there. And so I'm creating the tool that if, had it, if it had existed in 2012, 2013, I would have had a much more efficient, much easier job search. Um, so it's not to say that those project opportunities won't arise. It's just not going to be a core focus of the business, at least um, at launch. Yeah. So my next question, I hope you don't mind getting into the, the specificities of it. I'm, I'm just always fascinated yes. with new company ideas and, and also with models. So how... how who exactly does that does that serve? Is it like a job board um, or is it a, a monthly retainer for the agencies to list themselves? So the idea now, and I'm actually recruiting for interns this summer, MBA interns to kind of work through a little bit of the pricing and the biz dev model. Yeah. Um, but how we've scoped it out now um, is a, a, a freemium model for all three user types with different tiers. Um, so anyone in the world can access Ever Harbor for free um, because the intent is for the tool to allow junior talent, career switchers, et cetera, mm-hmm. to be able to see what's out there. Um, and I have no intent of restricting that information on a baseline level from people who just need to know what agencies exist and vice versa. I don't want any small agencies to feel that they don't, they can't access talent. They can't access recruiters because they're not a paid member. That said, there should there will be a paid level um, that will allow users to have things like unlimited messaging and certain additional premium features and to be featured closer to the top of results when their searches and filters being performed. Um, so yeah, it'll be a recurring revenue model um, similar to a LinkedIn. LinkedIn Premium is I think it's sixty nine seventy nine dollars a month for an individual right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so most likely for talent, it'll be somewhere in the nineteen to twenty dollar a month range. Um, and people can turn it on or turn it off when they're, when they're job searching. Um, so some freelancers might leave it on all the time, uh, because it might be worth it for them to have to pay $20 a month to always have access to every agency and every opportunity. Um, and also a big part of the model is that we will, we'll look to partner with eight, with universities and skills-based education programs, um, I've, I've spoken with UNC and the media and journalism school. Um, and I've spoken with general assembly. So all these institutions whose intention and core goal, their core mission is to 
make sure people are getting educated and then finding great jobs, they should be encouraged to use a platform like this to let their talent um, be exposed to um, to the greatest number of opportunities that'll actually fit their their skills and their needs. So there's kind of the the initial model of each user type has a premium element, um, but then there's also the enterprise model of partnering with institutions and saying, hey, your class of 500 students um, for a dollar per month per student or for $2 per month per student, everybody while they're going through your program will have access to this premium content. Yeah, I, I, I love this. And th this just got me really excited because that, that touches on what you talked about where if a tool like this existed when you graduated, you wouldn't have had such a difficult time navigating. And yeah. when, when you said that, my thought was, and you know, I didn't want to sound cliche, but the old adage is that if you create something that solves a product that you, or that solves a problem that you personally have, right? And so that was what came to mind when you were talking about uh, that journey of trying to find the best place for you to build a career after college. And so uh, I think, well, one, my question is, do you see that as being the biggest gap. So there's the actual creatives and, and the, the talent and the agency connection. But um, after you kind of went through that, that process, it seems like the biggest gap in the whole thing is, is right there, is, is post-graduation to, you know, your, your first job, your first opportunity, your, your first start in a career. Um, I, I think that's probably like the, the biggest opportunity. You would know better than me, but um. But it seems like that's I, I think the best place to start. I think it's the best place to start painting, painting with a broad brush. Yeah. Um, every single person graduating from college is starting their first full-time job. So presumably anyone going into the agency world from college would find value in this tool. Um, but then there's also the use case of the 20-year agency veteran who's spent their career at Ogilvy and Gray and they want to work for a cool, hot, up-and-coming shop. And they've never heard of these agencies that, that might have 20, 30, 40 people that are really, really hot and up-and-coming. And this is a tool that would allow those career switchers um, and job seekers, even those who are really experienced, to be exposed to companies that they would just never, never come across otherwise. So we'll, we'll see you know, who ends up generating the most traction. Um, but I think there'll be really interesting nuances to, to who ends up using this thing the most. Chris, I love it, man. Um, yeah. Wow. What, what a cool problem to solve. I'm just thinking about all the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of college graduates that are in that space where they think what next, you know, and, and the cool yep. bridge that you can build for them. So uh, best of luck to you with that. I'm definitely going to be following along. So um I also read in, in reading a little bit about your work that you serve as a mentor and uh, an advisor. That's, that's the, the consulting world like that is something I've always been really, really fascinated in because it, it seems like it gives so much freedom and you really get to pick and choose on, on the really, really cool projects that you find fascinating and that you're most excited to work in. I know nothing about that world. So uh, my, my question to start is what are some of the other 
uh, tech startups that you've worked on? How, how have you been involved in that system with something outside of your own personal projects? Yeah, so I serve as a, a formal on paper on their website, uh, mentor and advisor for a number of accelerator programs, a number of VCs, um, a couple uh, big idea ventures, which is a, a an awesome kind of food tech uh, VC slash accelerator program that's investing in the future of, of protein and how do we create great food that doesn't uh, doesn't have the negative Im impact on the environment that the production of meat does. Crickets. I'm a big meat. I, I, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if crickets qualify, but either way, it's the future. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how do, how do we produce food that's going to be more sustainable for the environment moving forward? Um, I'm a big meat eater myself. So this is, it's not really a moral stance. It's more that if we can produce food more smartly, let's, let's figure out how to do it. Um, so I mentor uh, a number of really awesome vegan food product companies through that program. Um, I'm involved with a small clean tech oriented VC called Carbon Ventures. It's based out of New York. Um, they have some really interesting companies that are working on how to reduce carbon emissions um, through various infrastructure technologies. Um, Future Works NYC is an organization that's backed by the New York City Economic Development Corporation. Um, that's focused on the future of advanced manufacturing, 3D printing, uh, the creation of any physical product um, in the New York area. Um, so I, I, you know, kind of to my earlier point, I, I'm involved in these various organizations and I work really across the board. Um, love meeting founders that are working on new, interesting ideas that, that I would have never thought of um, and just getting exposure to, to them. And it, it's... It's kind of a, it's a two-way street for me. Um, I'm happy to give some some free advice, some expertise, some time, be that through a deck mock, uh, markup of a, of a presentation or a critique of a website or um, some help with a problem they're thinking through around naming or messaging um, in order for me to just be exposed to really cool, interesting people. Um, sometimes that leads to client engagements. Um, after years of being in touch with founders. I, I actually have a really awesome client that I'm just kicking off with next week um, that's focusing on building some really cool product, products, uh, smart products made with graphene. Um, and I'm working on their new logo and their visual identity. And they're a, a founding team that I met through one of these accelerator programs probably three, four years ago now. Um, and we've just become friends and we stayed in touch. And then the time came and they're like, oh, yeah, Chris, you actually, how you actually make money is logo design. So let's, let's do a logo design project. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good way for me to, to spend my time to be involved with as many of these uh, organizations as possible, just to always be learning, always be making connections. Um, and then at the end of the day, some of, some of them end up being clients. Do you find... What, what about that do you find most exciting? I'm trying to put myself in your position because I've never been involved in VC land ever. Like everything that my team has ever built has always been bootstrapped. And in a way, I guess it's kind of FOMO where um, it seems like so much fun, you know, talking about all these big projects and who's going to raise the next round and you know, read about it on Twitter and, like, <laughs> and yeah. solving real big problems. And it's just something that I've never really been involved in. 
But then I take a step back and I think to myself, it's probably just like everything else where the grass is always greener on the other side, you know? So I'm listening to you talk about it and I'm curious as to where, where you find the most reward from. Is it the networking? Is it the people that you get to meet? Is it the actual businesses and, and the problems that, that they're trying to solve? Like what, what's in it for you? Um, I mean, one, I, I kind of stand on both sides of that, right? Like my tech startup that I'm building is fully bootstrapped. I don't intend to raise venture money. Maybe I will at some point if it's, if it's absolutely necessary for scaling the product. Um, but I'm a bootstrapping founder and I really believe in building smart businesses. Um, and I don't believe in celebrating raising around just because you've raised around that doesn't mean you've reached the peak. It means that you sold part of your business and you gave away part of your ownership. Um, and you know, now, now you have a boss. Now you have metrics that you need to lead up to and, and, and meet um, in order to satisfy those investors. Now you're responsible for, for other people's money. Um, so a lot of what I do is, you know, the value I get out of these mentorship opportunities is I, you know, for better or for worse, I just, I have my own opinions on this stuff. And, and I try to provide advice to startup founders and say, look, there are multiple ways to go about building your business. Um, I happen to be coming at it through a branding and design angle through my agency, but I'm also happy to provide advice as far as the benefits of raising money versus not raising money um, as, as a bootstrap founder. Um, but also as somebody who's worked with a lot of these companies that have raised venture money from, from really great firms. So, you know, I think there are benefits to each, each approach. Um, and you just got to figure out what's right for your individual business. So, um, I think very much, I think similar to Scott, a throwback to, to Galloway, you know, Galloway's brand is like unvarnished truth at all times. And he has his, his weekly or biweekly newsletter, which is no mercy and no malice, um, which I love because it's like, He's not going to spare you if you've done something he feels is stupid. Um, but the intent is not to be mean. It's just to be very truthful and to be very straightforward. And that's exactly how I operate with, with my clients and, and the companies that I meet and mentor through these programs, um, which is I just love being able to be an objective observer and speak my truth. And if they like it, great. Let's run with it. And if they don't like it, no harm, no foul. They didn't pay me for it. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of, I kind of reserve the right to be wrong. You know, all I'm doing is sharing my perspectives and my opinions as somebody who might've gone through some of the things they've gone through. Um, but in many cases they've gone through things I haven't. So, so it's always a learning experience and it's nice to be exposed to people without that kind of client type relationship. And it's more just like, let's, let's speak to each other as peers who have both mm. gone through some of these things that founders have gone through and, and see how we can help each other. I love that. That sounds fun and rewarding, but no pressure at the same time. I, I think that some pressure, be... but not, not much pressure. Yeah. You still I, I want, just... you still want, <laughs> you still want to be right. You still want to give good advice, but if it's not, yeah. of course, well, I am very, very excited about Ever Harbor. I, I think, I think that's a real opportunity and I, I think that's a real solution to a problem that a lot of young business oriented career professionals uh, are having. So I, I really, really wish you the best of luck with that. And, and I'm going to follow along.
Uh, Chris, we've been at this for about 45 minutes now. Um, I think it's, it's time to wrap this up. Are there any other projects that you're working on? Is there any, anything else that you're excited about that, that you want people to know about? I mean, uh, Thompson and Prince and Ever Harbor are the, the main focus. Um, the only other thing that, that might be interesting to, to kind of mention is given this, this new scenario, I had decided to start splitting my time between New York and Raleigh um, in September just mm-hmm. to kind of explore the, the Raleigh startup ecosystem and uh, in general, just a kind of more secondary tertiary startup ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and North Carolina and, and the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill Triangle has been getting a good amount of hype in the media. Um, and so, you know, just for your listeners, I, I'm always really interested and now I'm even more interested being kind of based in Raleigh temporarily and what, what startups are doing in these markets that are not New York and not the Valley and not Austin. Um, you know, I, I'm really believe in building sustainable businesses, building interesting startups. And again, to the earlier point, um, not that not everything needs to be venture backed. So I'm really interested in exploring and working with folks that are trying to build interesting solutions um, and new products, maybe in different ways than than what we've seen in the kind of more traditional VC-backed startup model. Um, so to to that end, I'm I'm working on a a concept that I won't dig too much into yet because we're kind of still in ideation phases. But you know, as you can tell from this this talk, I kind of have my two sides, which is the startup entrepreneurial interest and, and sometimes I'm engaging purely with people who are building tech startups and then there's the creative agency side mm-hmm. and and I love engaging with other people who are just building creative work um, for clients and so I'm working on a concept that's going to bring those two things together tentatively placeholder name is just brand weekend um, and I'm going to be looking to bring together creatives and startups um, and kind of doing uh a 48 hour sprint um, to, to build great brands over the course of really compressed timeframes. And I'm hoping to, to start that in some kind of, in some of the more secondary markets um, like, like Raleigh. So we'll, we'll have more news about that hopefully in the coming months. Um, But that's, that's kind of the other thing that's on the horizon for us. Um, as, as we kind of look at the, the overlaps between tech startups and the agency world. I think that's amazing. I think uh, as, as soon as you have more updates on that, please send them to me. I'd be happy to, to share it with people on my newsletter. We're, we're, we're very similar in that way where um, we, we, we cross at that intersection between creative and, and entrepreneurial. So I think that's, I think that's a, a cool place to, I think that's a really cool playground to be in. Yeah. Um, great, man. Well, look, Chris, thank you so much for, for chatting with me. Um, I'm really glad to, to learn about you and, and to learn about what you're working on. If somebody has some creative work that they need done or they want to learn more about your projects, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, you can check out thompsonandprince.com. That's T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-A-N-D-P-R-I-N-C-E.com. Um, it's named after the corner in Soho where I've I've lived in three different apartments up and down the same corner. So it's my <laughs> nice. spot. Um, you can shoot me an email at Chris at Thompson and um, Responsive and uh, happy to happy to talk with any founders that are dealing with any brand problems. Um, I'm, I'm always happy to take a 30 minute intro call with anybody. 
um, and, and happy to kind of give some perspectives. And, and as, as we kind of discussed earlier, like if it's something that our team can work with and can help with, then I'd love to, to talk to anybody uh, about working on projects. Um, but I'm also just happy, happy to serve as a connector. Um, there's stuff that we don't do at my mm -hmm. firm. I don't, we don't do PR, we don't do videography, we don't do social media. Um, anything across the creative agency spectrum, we're happy to make introductions to other great small firms. Uh, we believe really firmly in supporting other entrepreneurs and other agencies. So um, shoot me an email and, uh, and we can talk about anything related to startup branding. Amazing, brother. I really appreciate your time. I'll make sure anybody listening, if you want to uh, find links to those websites, I'm going to put them all in the show notes at timstods.com. If you want to support the show, please leave me a rating. Please give me a subscribe. Chris, thanks again for your time, man. It was really great talking to you. I'm, I'm looking forward to following your projects. And I hope we can do this again soon. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Take care. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.